You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. In this episode of The Long Yak, we're still playing catch-up on all the shows. So many shows! Too many shows? Never! Listen to us talk about what we love and what we don't, about Doom at Your Service, Taxi Driver, Law School and Navalera, with bonus side discussions on how we feel about feeling sad, whether Makjeng has merits, and a very unplanned nostalgia fest over the recent Friends reunion. As always, thank you to our lovely listeners for being with us, and to our fantastic patrons for supporting us through Patreon. Make sure you're catching our extras over at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers, where you can find the after-show minisode for this very episode, and more. This month, we bring you Kensington's latest romance anthology, Summer in the City, by award-winning and critically acclaimed authors Laurie Wilde, Priscilla Oliveras, and Sarah Skilton, three authors known for their sense of humour, spicy romance, and fresh approach to falling in love. Summer in the City's three connected novellas follow a trio of girlfriends in Manhattan, whose plans to escape the summer heat with a fabulous girls-only weekend are suddenly dashed when the city is struck by an unexpected blackout. But while the lights are out, enemies may become lovers, and friends may find out they have more in common than they think. And how hot is too hot? Witty, fun, and perfectly on trend, the stories glory in what happens when nothing goes to plan, but everything may just be going exactly right. You can find Summer in the City wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. And now, come yak with us. Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Boromar. Welcome to a long yak. After a long time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, feels like a while. So, how has everyone been? Yeah, I've been good. We haven't all three done a recording together in a while because for the last yak, it was me and Borma, and then you two did Sisyphus together. So it's nice to be back in the same virtual room. It is. And to talk about yeah. dramas <laughs> as opposed yes. to the abysmal state of the world, which is, I think, the last thing we did because we met up for Eid because we just hadn't seen each other's faces for so long. And that was nice. But it was yeah. also a really depressing conversation because the world is a terrible place. Yeah. 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 For a bit there, it kind of felt like there's nothing else we can talk about. But we have dramas to talk about today. But before <laughs> we jump into dramas, we haven't done Patreon shoutouts in a couple of months. And we want to welcome you all. A family's so, grown. Yeah. yeah. And you are all our favorite children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, that's... I don't know. <laughs> but... Anyway, so we'd like to welcome David F., Eugene Young, Julia, Olakes, Fungi L., Lindsay, Safa, and Diane. Yay! Welcome! welcome. <laughs> and if you hadn't noticed, finally, we've started doing something extra for patrons other than putting your names on the episodes and like giving our eternal gratitude to you in our hearts. And so we've started the below the line. So if you haven't checked that out, definitely check that out. It's just like us being silly for like 10 to 40 minutes after we finish <laughs> the main recording. Yeah, it's it's on the Patreon page. And this is the only thing that we do that is Patreon only. It's just a bit of a special thanks. And also we figured that it's a way for us to show some other sides of us that we can't do on the main podcast. We can talk about books we like, other dramas, other Asian dramas we watch. All of those things can be on Below the Line. So that's that's why we are producing Or this. it can be an off-topic unwind. 
be prepared. Absolutely. <laughs> or a ran. <laughs> I've done a couple of those. Sorry. So have I. We do get walked up over rants. Sometimes we do. And we trust our patrons not to like run away. Get mad and run away. <laughs> so clearly we've lured you in somehow. We've conned you into it. And another thing is that um, Saya just published an amazing blog post about the music in K-dramas and how it often elevates either a good drama or not so good drama and how it makes us feel. It's all about feelings. It's great. I, I had a lot of feelings while I was reading it. So definitely go check that out on dramasoverflowers.net. That's not the only new thing we've got, though, because you and Borma have started a really cool thing that I... I'm not allowed to listen to you because I haven't watched no, the no, show. No, 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 <laughs> Anisa and Parva have not started it. Saya has not participated yet. That's that's voluntary. <laughs> Literally, it's okay. I just had the idea like two days ago and me and Parma got really excited and we like have jumped on it. Um, And Saya's like... Spoilers. It's an amazing idea. I'm so we, we excited. We should explain. Yes. We should explain. Yeah. Yes, you so should. So basically, I was in the bath. <laughs> Where will the best like, thoughts come? Mine do, definitely. Same, I, same. It's like the one time I have, I'm like quiet, I'm relaxing. It's a fountain of My brain wakes up. Exactly. <laughs> Literal fountain. So I was just thinking like, we always want to do like audiograms or like clips from the episodes. But like a lot of times we're just so tired when we finish editing a two hour long episode that we're just like, oh, I should have done audiograms. I'm just going to like collapse into bed now. And so I was thinking um, it would be nice for us to just like watch a drama and then whatever like fresh and excited thoughts we have, like just do a little voice note and send it to each other. But also then like something we can share with with y'all on like social media and you can like instantly hear it and it's something that i think we can sustain so like definitely check those out we have posted them on twitter and instagram two of them are on doom at your service and one of them is about clean with passion for now and there will be more to come and there will be more to come yeah we're saying this like we've never done it before but we're constantly sending each other voice notes so now we're just um making them public. exactly <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> You can hear our unfiltered squeeing. Watch. When I do them, they will all end with, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how Saya's notes actually end. All of them. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and they start with, uh, yeah, so it's um, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They all do. She has to identify herself because we have no idea who's sending us voice notes. <laughs> okay, so... Saya promises to jump in on this as soon as she can. But for now, we have uh, three of these up on social media. So please go listen. And I think this is a really great idea, Nisa, because the audiogram thing, though it's a standard, like it's a staple of podcasting, it didn't feel worth it because each social media has like limits of how many minutes you can have when you're uploading stuff. I couldn't find something that fit exactly one minute or exactly two minutes, 20 seconds. And can also be published across platform from a podcast episode. We have three hosts. We take a while to finish our points. It was just hard yeah. after editing everything to go back and find a slice that fits exactly that. And also, our listeners are listening to the entire episode anyway, so it didn't quite feel worth it. But this feels this feels more dynamic. So hopefully we can keep this up. Yeah. And also, like, sometimes there's a while before we watch something we talk about on the Yak. It actually gets published. This way we can, like, just instantly publish things that are on our mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's led to some, like, nice conversations on, like, Twitter and stuff, which is, we always love that. We love talking to y'all. It has. It has. <laughs> and we don't want anyone 
who doesn't follow us on Twitter to miss out. So we're telling you so that you can yes, exactly. check them out on yeah, Instagram and on Twitter. You'll find them everywhere. Yeah. Speaking of those conversations, one of them was about Doom at Your Service. Which is the first drama we're going to talk about. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to Marisu, who was like, uh, we were like squeeing about how much we loved the show. And then I was like, we're going to talk about this on the yak and then hopefully it won't take too long because i feel like i'm gonna go on for too long and she's like there are no other dramas to talk about (laughs) what other dramas (laughs) nothing else released in 2021 so let's talk about doom at your service is this going to be spoilery because i can pop off for a few minutes if it is so how much of doom at your service have you seen saya me eight minutes (laughs) and he's like everything is spoilery though No, no, it's fine. Yeah. Go and I will go. Tell me when I can come back. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, just a warning like, we're going to talk about episodes one through four, right, Brahma? Yeah. Because it's hard to really talk about the show without talking about this like major premise point. Absolutely. And also, just okay, give me just one second. Indulge me for a second here. How is this drama so perfect? It's going to be horrible in the second half, isn't it? It's going to break my heart. It's going to do like something awful or evil. Like it's just, ah, I've been waiting for like a great show and go <laughs> drama for so long. And I think we have it, but I'm so scared <laughs> it won't last. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Let's just quickly go into the premise in case people are not watching it yet. So it stars yeah. Soenguk and Park Boyang and their... Um, she has 100 days to live because she has brain. She just got diagnosed with brain cancer. And so she makes this wish like on a star that the world would just, everything would just be destroyed. And she mentions destruction, which is Mjolmang. And then this dude who's like a supernatural manifestation of destruction named Mjolmang is like, hey, you called? <laughs> and he's like, you want to destroy the world? Let's make a deal. I'll take away your pain and give you a wish or whatever. So then they sign this contract. Oh, they shake on a contract. <laughs> Right. They shake on a contract and then she finds out once she's already agreed to it that if she decides to not wish to destroy the world, the person that she loves most will die. Yeah. So that's not great. She's kind of mad about that. She is kind of mad about that, but let's not say any more because or or we can, but let's let's keep that for for a while. The one thing I just want to point out, because I really like Park Bo Young's character here, though I cannot remember her name. It's too hard. Um Dong Kyung. It is kind of hard. Right. So Dong Kyung, the thing with her is she doesn't agree to Myol Mung's offer, actually. Like initially, she can't even believe that he's a supernatural being. She actually asks him stuff like, well, you know, I work in the fiction industry and I know about supernatural beings through fiction. <laughs> and this is how supernatural beings <laughs> yeah. usually treat humans. And he's like, you seem to know a She's lot like, of them. She's like, normally in a fantasy drama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> normally in a fantasy drama. I don't think this would happen. He's like... <laughs> And then it gives her like that cold stare of death. <laughs> Which, my God, there couldn't have been a have been better casting than Soen Go for this. He's perfect. Oh, right. And she doesn't agree to his thing. And he kind of just follows her around trying to catch her in a moment where she might agree. And then what happens is fate kind of helps him. She gets in a situation where it's kind of life or death. And he's like, if you want my help, agree to the contract. And she just does because, hey, yeah, she's going to die in 100 days. Doesn't mean she wants to give up her life right now. And she agrees without understanding the contract properly. And then, but this is what I love about this character. She thinks it through and then she asks 
the really important question pretty soon. She's like, what happens if I don't follow through with the contract? And then he kind of lays it out for her and she's like, right. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. So uh, we were talking to some friends and they were like, and I've seen people saying this online too, that like it was confusing what exactly what the, was in the contract, especially like in episodes one and two, like what exactly she would be agreeing to. But I think that really works because it is a little confusing because he only mentions it once and then they don't yeah. talk about again what the terms are until she asks him outright in episode three, right? But like they kind of had to do it that way because otherwise, why would she ever say yes, right? Like, yeah, it, it would I mean, it is kind of a ridiculous premise, but it would just be like too, it would be pushing the balance of incredulity like way too much. So I think that works. And what you said about how she asks all the important questions, I love how they're very like, they just say whatever's on their mind. There isn't a lot of like stewing in anger, but not talking to each other. Like they bring things up in, in, in like, especially, um, Dong Kang, she like brings up everything that she's thinking and she tells him and she confronts him and she, and the, and he's also like brutally honest with her. And he's like, I'm never going to lie to you. And but that doesn't mean that she likes what he has to say. Like a lot of it's pretty terrible, but at the same time, there's so much like unspoken tension and feelings because they don't actually know how they're feeling. Like they think they know and they know that they hate each other, but they don't actually hate each other. But see, this is, this is what I love about their tension. It's not so much hate as it's like existential crisis for both of them. Park Boyong's character is like, what he's giving her right now has also become a weakness, which is that for the next 100 days, she has this tumor in her head. She's going to slowly be in extreme pain and die. And he's like, I'm going to give you a painless death. In the next three months, you'll be perfectly normal. So long as we hold hands every night. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> I'm not okay. bad about it. <laughs> I'm not either. I love it. This is like how you know how forced cohabitation happens. This is kind of like uh, or 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 contract relationships it's like contract skinship, and it's wait that sounded bad, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's just yeah, it's precious. <laughs> I mean, I was watching the episode where like so let's just say like full spoilers now up till the end of episode four. But I was watching the episode where he like she's like move in with me, and he's like okay, and he like joins their homes to together magically and I was like I will never be satisfied with any other type of cohabitation <laughs> arrangement after this like this is the best thing it's amazing you still get to keep your home and your own space but like you just like join together magically it disappears when you don't want it there I mean it's so convenient oh it's great it's, it's also that moment when her brother comes back and she's like he'll come in and he'll see you know Myol Mung's house through mine and then it's not there and Myol Mung's not there and she opens her bedroom door and he's just lying on her bed and it's so <laughs> the, the juxtaposition of Myol Mung and her bed is just it doesn't make sense like even in my head I'm like he doesn't there is something very weird about a godlike being <laughs> in this tiny bedroom he's so good at this like otherworldly like there's something kind of off like I totally buy it when he's like I'm not human I just exist like I'm just yeah. a, a force of destruction given like this human appearance and like it works because he has this like he's handsome but he's like creepy like he has that cheeky smile and then suddenly he turns like cold as ice and he looks like he's about to kill you like it really works and I don't know if this yeah. drama would have worked with any other actor and you know you know what I honestly think that he got cast here 
because of the smile has left your eyes because he oh, had a yeah. similar vibe there Absolutely. and he hadn't quite done something like this before like think of all his other dramas including the one with bogami in it what was that i remember you including that one yeah. he was just he was a straight up you know he was very serious in that yeah yeah but he wasn't this 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 changeable presence and but he was this yeah, in smile like a fey kind of yeah exactly yeah. that's the word yeah oh, and park boyang somehow just works with him so well because she is the straight faced character here like she doesn't say what she's feeling often or what she's thinking and her you can see that she's constantly thinking but she's not going to just spout she's not going to just gab it out like heroines in dramas usually do like every thought in their head they just say it out loud that that's how it sometimes feels she is like a deep thinker so she's thinking the contract through in her head when she has stuff arranged she'll ask the question that she needs to ask that confrontation on her balcony at the end of episode 3 mm. she had already figured it out she had figured out what she would have to do to defeat that contract before they had that confrontation and she and he basically used the the, the bracelet he had given her so that she has like a pain free time as to kind of manipulate her he mm-hmm. he does this thing and she is furious and she reveals to him something she had already figured out before but so far the, the drama wasn't following her thoughts in a linear pattern in that the drama wasn't telling us that she had already figured these things out she thought about it she has her questions she has her conclusions and she puts it to him when she thinks it's the right time i really like park boyang here i have never liked her so much in any other drama i agree this is her best role because she doesn't like she has this character where she just puts up with everything that life deals with her but it's not because she's like a doormat or she's like weak she's just had a lot of cruel blows in her life and she's realized that it's just easier for her to not fight all the time like she's just going to do what she needs to do with her fake smile and like keep all of her anger bottled up inside and you know ma- and sh- i think she even says like who knew that all that anger would manifest into this like tumor you know eventually just yeah. like all that suppressed anger and it's i really love that moment where she's talking about her and like the dialogue in this is so good but like where she's talking about like the moment at her mother her parents funeral where her aunt shows up and it's her mom's twin sister who ends up taking them in and she's yeah. like the face of my misfortune was the same as the face of my like salvation or of my happiness like so yeah. she's like i'm used to pain and and you know salvation coming at the same time like disaster and joy it's like mixed up together so then when he shows up in her life too it's like he's saving her in one way he's also destroying her in one way she's like yeah this is just par for the course this is my life and he even has a line there at some point where he points out to her that everything you've gained is because you've lost something mm-hmm. and that is particularly and and terribly true for her life yeah oh no you know one of my favorite moments in this drama is after she remembers him from the funeral home he remembers her and the reason he remembers her is because while everyone else was crying she was looking at her aunt's face and she was the only one smiling and it just that hint that this character is not like other people like she thinks a little differently she approaches things a little differently and it makes sense that she who sees the world and suffers the world not in a typical manner would also be able to absorb that yeah sure gods exist doom exists personified and she would treat him like a person that she has to 
also deal with, like negotiate with and deal with and see what she can, you know, salvage out of and, that. Yeah. And he's like, he responds to that in her. Like, he's so baffled by her reactions that he like finds <laughs> Hanyeri in the hospital and like, and like he tells her that she's dying and she's like crying. Great cameo, by the way. Oh, he's like, like, yeah. He's like, this is the normal reaction. What's wrong with her? And she's just like, what? And he's like, you're lost. Go back to the other department. Um, <laughs> I love how he just shows up in places and he like makes everyone think that he's somebody else. She's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Great. I love that. Also, the, the adversarial Padmal I just wanted to mention. So good. And also a lead into what she says to him, which is which you like kind of led up to, but you didn't say and like we're in full spoilers. So she's like, I'm going to fall in love with you. And I think it's so great because a lot of times we've had these kind of challenges, but it's like one of the characters making a declaration that I'm going to make you fall in love with me. Oh, I'm, I'm watching Clean with Passion for now. And that's exactly what the hero does. And it's just, I, I was thinking exactly the same thing. Go on. We've seen so many crappy heroes pull this line and you're just like okay dude and it's like especially annoying because you know that they're gonna fall in love because it's a rom-com so it's like it's aggravating but here it's such an interesting concept of like she's gonna force herself to fall in love with him and then she like goes around she's like so how do you fall in love like to her friend and like asking all these questions about like (laughs) it's so great but it's so interesting because like he's also like almost immediately on board but for the opposite reason and so they're both trying to do the same thing yeah their goals are aligned even though their purposes are technically the opposite so it's, it's like a battle of wills but they both need her to fall in love with him right also you know what? I don't actually buy it. Like when she says that. So um, a bit of explanation, if anybody's confused about how this contract thing functions, because we realized our friends were and I did this entire huge explanation thing for them because it didn't make sense to a, a lot of them. And here's the thing with the contract. If Dong Kyung breaks the contract, then the one she loves the most dies. If she doesn't break the contract, what fulfills the contract is that she, in the next hundred days that she will be living, she has to wish destruction upon humanity, basically. So he can fulfill that wish. She has to formally wish it of him, not just out to the sky, but of him. And she's like, well, if I don't wish it, then my brother dies. Uh, you know, the one she loves the most, which is her brother, dies. But if I wish it, then my brother also dies because everyone dies. So she's like, how do I get out of this? So she tells him that, well, what if I change the person I love the most and you become the person I love the most? And then, you know, you can die. <laughs> and I, I can. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. If she breaks the contract, the punishment is that the one she loves the most dies, but she can live. It's like a get out of jail card, but she loses the one she loves the most. So she's like, well, you can die. And I can live and my brother can live and everyone in the world can live. It's the perfect thing. And he says immediately that, well, I look forward to that, to the moment where you're so in love with me that you'll be wishing the destruction upon the world, which as as another of our friends uh, pointed out, it doesn't make any sense. But I don't think, I think he just said that flippantly. I think the thing that he is convinced won't happen he can't imagine a human or any being loving him because it has never happened he says this over and over again that people have hated me people have wanted me but nobody has ever been able to love me because I am destruction yeah and he's very like nihilistic and hopeless and he just like a total pessimist he doesn't believe in goodness or empathy or compassion so he's just like yeah whatever like he's kind of toying with her like a cat does with a mouse in some ways and she's like I'm gonna bring you back down to earth (laughs) (laughs) She's like on a mission. Yeah. 
but she's also just not insane but like desperate enough to do things that he doesn't expect her to do and that always takes him aback but isn't she gonna die anyway though even if she breaks the contract it's just that she'll save her most loved one in the world no from no no she, she lives he also explicitly says that like in one of their conversations on the roof she says well either ways my brother dies and he's like why are you being negative you you get to live shouldn't you look at the brighter side if she breaks the contract the punishment is that she lives but the one she loves the most dies that's how falling in love with him changing the person whom she loves the most gives her everything except mm. the one she loves the most okay. dude i watch this with so much attention you can quiz me on it and i will ace that paper <laughs> as you can see Parama has rewatched this <laughs> drama right i rewatched them but i can honestly tell you i didn't need to i i absorbed every bit of dialogue just in my <laughs> first watch i just uh this is this is mad. This is one of those dramas for me, you know, the stuff where you you are paying attention to everything and there is no effort whatsoever. And all week I'm buzzing thinking about that drama. This hasn't happened in a while. So I'm really excited. I, I'm also kind of there, but I just have I just can't remember anything after I've watched it. My brain is like a sieve. So I have to like go back and <laughs> check things. I, I can't remember like what happened in which episode or anything like that. But I'm really enjoying it too. So we should probably wrap this section up. But um, before we do, I just wanted to mention um, Isuhyak oh, yeah. because I really really love his character I can't remember his name but he's her team leader at work uh, Cha Juik Cha Juik that's right yeah. he, so A like this would normally be the second lead character and he's totally not he's in like a totally different love triangle with one of the, the writers and I love yeah. that because he's like a wonderful non-toxic supervisor who like diffuses the whole situation with her evil ex and like all the rumors he's like so he's just casually asked when everyone's there so like what happened she explains he's like okay that's fine whatever like it happens and then they just move on yeah. and then like another one of the employees like makes an inappropriate comment and he's he's or he's like you're so pretty boss and he's like my prettiness is not for you to look at i'm like yes <laughs> diffuse the workplace harassment shut it down he's just so great in every way like he's, yeah i just I love know. him <laughs> Yeah, I love him. I was really sad for for him. Like, I think I the first thing I really liked him in and saw him in was um, High School King of Savvy. Aww. And he's just, just like a miserable character in that. And like, he was not a good person, but he was also a very sad person. And, and then like he's just continuously gotten bad drama. So I'm just really happy for him because this is a great role. Yeah. And I think he's going to get the girl this time. We'll see. But that's the impression I'm getting. I hope so. Because the other guy, whom which actor I love, that's Kang Teo from Run On. But this character is kind of a loser and I really don't want her, want him to get the girl. It just... Uh, yeah, no, no, he's treated her terribly. So I definitely don't think he's going to get the girl. Oh, and the reason I was like, oh, all these My Unfamiliar Family cameos, which like Kim Ji-suk was in here and he was great as this trash ex-boyfriend of Dong Gang's. <laughs> and I realized it's the same director. Oh, that makes so much this sense the director now. of My Unfamiliar Family and um, Search WWW, whom we love. So <gasps> Really? Oh yeah. my god, I did not realize that. That that just gives me hope. And the writer is Beauty Inside writer, which I know you have mixed feelings about, right? I don't have mixed feelings about that at all. It's just that at the very end, they do that thing where the hero who's suffering from something goes and has a surgery right. but doesn't tell the heroine because he's like, I can't be with you unless I'm whole. I just hate that. It's a, it's a drama industry trope and just... Mm, yeah. yeah. But, but that had an amazing Idahi uh, character, Beauty Inside. And honestly, sometimes I just go back and watch Idahi's portions in that. Nice. Idahi is always good, no matter what, in everything. 
Yeah. Hey, Saya. Hello. That was so long. Bye. <laughs> Hi. I was like, I need a nap. Sorry, what we got a little carried away. <laughs> we should have, we should have kept this for the very end. <laughs> okay, now it's now it's your guys' turn. So next is Taxi Driver, which I have not been watching, but you two have been watching. <laughs> yes, though so I've I haven't watched past episode four though, so Zaya's ahead of me on that. Oh, okay. I thought you were all caught up. I'm up to episode twelve. I've downloaded everything. I haven't watched it yet. I instead went back and started watching really trashy older dramas, which I will get to <laughs> later. But yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, Saya. <laughs> See, usually uh, thrillers aren't something that I would take up instantly or even re- revenge dramas unless there's like some high melodrama aspect to it. But I was sick and for some reason I didn't want to watch anything happy. So I started watching Taxi Driver. <laughs> as good a reason as any. <laughs> right? And I just like blew through the first four episodes. They were just so good. And they just, I don't know, they did good things to my heart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I first, when I switched it on, like the only way I start shows is by not overthinking them. So I was just like, oh, it was actually the week before Ramadan started, I think. And it had literally just released. And I was like, oh, Taxi Driver. Let's just press play. Don't think about it anymore. Just press play. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it's kind of like City Hunter with taxis. And it's got this, it's obviously its themes are very sort of dark and revengey, but it's also got this very feel good, bright kind of execution to it, which obviously it evolves as the show goes on. But in the beginning, you're just sort of really caught up in the action, in the, the, the stunt sequences. The soundtrack is really great. It's this sort of retro synth 80s feel kind of like video game Ooh. music, like, uh, not video yeah. games, sorry, computer game music, like old school, um, sort yeah. of crossed with like superhero, uh, action hero type, a team, that kind of. I mean, think yes. of the nice. think of the action yeah. films you watched growing up. Yeah, the only thing, only thing that's like a little different here is that there aren't any muscle cars. If you just put some muscle cars <laughs> in here, this would have been totally eighties, like grunge and grimy. <laughs> I actually think that it is improved like that's a, a bit of restraint that adds something different to this whole idea i mean of course you sort of have to like hand wave the whole he's got a very distinctive car and you're like yeah i don't think you're going incognito in your deluxe uh cap uh would you call in your deluxe taxi you're, you're not <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> it's like daylight batmobile I, that is so confusing to me why not just use the regular taxi right. that would be much more um you know undercover but like that's not the point the point is there's like i can't remember if this was in the opening episodes but there's this one point where ijeon pulls up in front of a hotel and he like he he does this really i mean he obviously doesn't the stunt people do it but the way he parks is this really unnecessarily elaborate skid into the parking spot (laughs) and you're just like that is completely over the top but i love it and i'm gonna watch it another four times (laughs) and i did so there's all of that and then you have you know like uh what's the actor's name in w2 worlds he's the person who plays uh han yoju's dad the artist so he it's actually kind of nice to see him not be this terrible evil person but he's also still very morally ambiguous so he's kind of the mentor figure to ee hoons character and hold on yeah i didn't realize this was the same guy i knew oh. i knew his face <laughs> i didn't like give you some this is the w writer who yes, tried to yes. kill yeah uh, Lee Jung-suk. Lee Jung-suk, yeah <laughs> 
Shabman Henry for names. <laughs> okay, context. Huh? So, Sorry. okay, I have two questions. One is, yeah. does he have like a city hunter Batman like tragic backstory about his parents being killed and that, or is that Pretty just much. like, or is it more like the aesthetic of we the drama? We don't fully know what happens. Kim Yoo Sung subtly does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he absolutely does. But um, Lee Jae-hun's story, we actually don't fully know about it, but yes, his he did have a, a murdered parent and he witnessed that murder. Okay, so it's a very Batman. Yeah, and it's an ensemble drama and everyone who is in that team, the, the deluxe uh, taxi driver team, they all have something in their past that set them on the path of revenge. Mm. And they work together to, even though they can no longer resolve the things that were in their own past, they offer revenge as a service to anyone else who wants it. And yeah, I see. It's offered under the cover of this uh, welfare, a victim welfare organization. And so there, what, oh God, what is, <laughs> I can't remember his name. I'm just going to call him No Face. He works, um, he works very closely with law enforcement. And that's where, you, like, Isom comes in. She plays a prosecutor. And so she and Lee Jae-hoon sort of butt heads quite early on. And then they keep crossing paths. And she, you know, she represents the law. He represents lawlessness. And it's very interesting and I know there's been a little uh, hoo-ha about the writer leaving. Writer. Yeah. That was my yeah. second question. <laughs> I wonder if that's like the uncanny counter where they wanted, uh, you know, it seemed that the reason that they diverged was, you know, the second season question. Uh, did I make that up? Or did I, I don't know that they, I don't think that they actually said why. Okay. They just said they were going in different directions, mm. uh, which is what they also said with this one, that they wanted to go in different creative directions, which could mean anything mm. from that to also like there's an abusive situation and the writer <laughs> yeah. left you know like i mean it could mean anything yeah. it could mean a lot of things it's hard to know yeah. that one of them um, was really hard to work with or it's weird to be like we're going in a different creative direction when there's like source material mm. in like a webtoon like how different could it be i don't know i wonder if that's because they want to sort of um seasonize it what do you what would you call that turn it into a multi-season thing it's got like it's got the right ingredients to make it more than a single season story but i am always a little cautious so did you notice that there's a difference in 11 and 12 because you've watched 11 and 12 right the story did take a turn but then they do take a turn at that point so yeah i mean i'd have to watch to the end to say for sure i don't feel Mm. at this moment that it's necessarily bad i mean the story had flaws to begin with I mean, at this stage, it wouldn't exactly be drastic changes, though, would yeah. it? I mean, the structure would already be there. You would basically be filling in what happens scene on scene. So mm. dialogues, the intention of the scenes, basically, mm. maybe right. something that you can change. And Isam was quite underused in the first half of the show. So I don't know if that's also part of it, that she's taken on a more prominent role in the second half of the show. Oh, that would be nice. Because I, I really like her. Yeah, the, well, she's excellent. She's really good in it as well. Like... <laughs> In the first half, she doesn't. She's not given a lot to do. She doesn't have a lot of airtime. Um, but now, as she's sort of becoming more active in the story, there's this one point where um, it's like a big thing happens to her, and like she plays that scene so so well. And you're like, why aren't you using her more? She's so good. Yeah, honestly, for Taxi Driver, Isam was more of a draw for me than like I love Ijehun, but 
she was the one that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I have to wa- like put this on my, I mean, I haven't started watching it because Ramadan came and then I was too busy. Mm-hmm. But like, that was what kind of like caught my eye and like sparked my attention. I was like, oh, Issa, I'm in a lead role. I definitely want to watch this. Because so. the last time I saw her, I was intending to watch the third charm, but never did. So the last time I saw her was as Usoji. Yeah. Uh, in, because this is my first yes. life. Same. And she was. I loved uh, her. What a girl crush. Oh my God. Like, I, She's I, sort of up there with like Idahi for me. Yes. She's that kind of actress. Very cool, very badass, Mm -hmm. very like straightforward. Interesting. Amazingly gorgeous. Yeah, Yeah. with like a lot of range. She can do comedy, she can do drama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like that too. Yes. You know how some actresses, they just have this physicality where if they enter a room, they kind of. Both of them are like that. She uses her whole body, right? Yeah. It's not only because they're tall, but they have that presence. They have a lot of charisma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I love her. So yeah, it's good to hear that she, she gets used more. I agree. And I don't know if this is the point to admit that actually I think that Ijehun is a little overrated. <laughs> he is a good actor, but he also he's also an actor I think of as an actor with a capital A. He's you often like you watch him and you're like, you are acting with a big A. He sometimes yeah. his performance can be a little exaggerated and like self-serious mm. a little bit. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, I do really like him, but <laughs> he's not one of those people who just like He's best when he lets that go. Yes. Oh, so you need to watch Move to Heaven about letting that go. It oh. I, I like his performance mm-hmm. so much more there. He's just a bit freer because he gets to be a bit of a scruffy. He, he gets to this be scruffy. This is why everyone yeah. needs to be a scruffy detective. <laughs> I'm looking forward to starting that. Like I just finished Vincenzo with my family last night, and that's going to be our next family watch is is uh, Move to Heaven. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, that one is right at the top of my list right now, Move to Heaven, because I've just been hearing <laughs> also, so much about how good it is. Also, I asked my sister right after we finished Vincenzo, and it was a 90-minute... We were right, Saya. It was a 90-minute finale. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> we knew we were talking about it. And then, like, after that, I was like, it's... 10 episodes and they're only 50 minutes each and Zainab was like yeah that's let's do it <laughs> oh, it's yeah it's just so much more doable when when it's a short episode count isn't it definitely <laughs> definitely shall we move on to the next drama yes oh just one uh, little point so Taxi Driver is the uh, drama where April's Nayunto uh, oh. Nayun was Yojuda uh, let's just call Nayun- her Yojuda yeah, which is the character she played in Extraordinary <laughs> You <laughs> this is the drama where she got replaced with another actress uh, Pyo Yee Jin and I, I of course I have no idea how um, oh I w- actually wanted Nayun to talk about have. this yeah okay go on uh, as in Pyo Yee Jin is great she's so good and I yeah, cannot exactly. imagine anyone else in this role she's wonderful right like she has that you know she seems like so positive and so energetic and but she is capable of like emotion depth and gravitas. Yes. yeah and I know that Nayeon is actually a pretty decent actress she showed that in um what was it called? <laughs> Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. Um, we should change the name of this, this segment to Porma Forgets Everything. Um, so <laughs> Except for the plot of Do My Your Service, which she remembers every detail of. <laughs> so, so um, Nayeon is clearly a good actress, but I don't know if she could have done what Pyo Jin has brought to this character. And of course, she's not like a very important character, but she makes the team kind of be a team so it's but you know what I think she's made more of her role than was written into it I think that in her hands you know I hope that this role opens her up to better and bigger roles because I think she's proved 
a level of range in this character that she hasn't had a chance to show before and it's great but honestly Pyojin is also like she's one of those actresses that even if she has a small role she always makes it memorable mm-hmm. you know like Kim Sulgi type um, yeah like, <laughs> like she, fight, she was fight for my way mm-hmm. in fight for my way she would have been a hateful character but she wasn't she was really memorable and then like she's the replacement secretary and what's wrong with secretary Kim she was really great <laughs> right. there like she has this great energy mm-hmm. about her that just like brings sunshine into yeah. the room and she invites every like where she sympathy goes. like like in in her portrayals they're, they're so sympathetic that you can't yes um even when you should hate them you're like actually i get you yeah yeah and in the character that she has in taxi driver it's even more sort of wrenching because she has a very very horrible like a uh, horrifying backstory thing mm. and then she has to deal with that like that is what comes to her head her story is the one that dominates the sort of second quarter of the show. So it's absolutely like she's too... I think everyone really shines here. Every one of the side characters really shine. Oh, great. Oh, I always love that. A good ensemble. But yeah. it does have problems. <laughs> like they have these... <laughs> uh, I mean, we don't need to talk about it too much, but it's that whole, you know, the way they portray other uh, nationalities and things like that. And you're like, oh. uh, <laughs> mm. I mean, you get used to it after a while, but it doesn't mean you enjoy it. Yeah. But yeah, at some point you're just like, okay, I know this is the best <laughs> that you can do. So I don't think I've watched enough of it to see that yet. But uh, the things that have struck me as problems is, they're not problems exactly, but the pacing is is a bit off. The, you know, the odd even episode format thing in that the odd episodes seem slower, um, which is not bad in the first two episodes. But by the third episode, it it kind of you start realizing that. But the thing that really (laughs) confuses me about this entire plot, and I am one of those people I can suspend my disbelief when it comes to like goblins and shit. But when it comes to (laughs) finances, you're just... You're killing me here. How is No Face or sorry, the 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 chairman of the taxi association? I, what... I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, Junction Chul. How is this guy affording his vigilante business, side business hustle? How is he doing this? Because he's no way to ensure payment from his customers. He, I mean, there is just so okay. You know what? I have one <laughs> theory, which is that he's basically embezzling his main uh, business, taking all the profits out of it and putting it in his vigilante stuff. Oh, that's staff. what I assumed. That's what I was assuming that the money came from the actual business. Yeah, because when Isom comes to his taxi association, uh, taxi company, she's like, "What taxi company is this decrepit?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, maybe that." But there's off. also like the funding that he receives for the foundation the uh, bluebird foundation funding yeah so all of that could add up and he does get paid we did learn that they do genuinely charge people so i think there's bits coming in from a lot of places and oh no he pays the money to the gangster ladies i love that this is like a vigilante revenge drama about a deluxe taxi and you're like but the accounting (laughs) okay they have vital questions (laughs) it kills me (laughs) Also, just think of like she's he's basically employing a loan shark to uh, run his personal prison for people he doesn't think should should be out in society, and he's paying her every that single problematic. month. Oh, it is, but it is, and it's, it's it gets super worse. worse. <laughs> oh god, oh, I okay. totally expected that <laughs> this dude is not in his right mind. You can see that in his eyes. But, that, but that's also the point, I think. 
Yeah, I, I, I figure that, I mean, nobody else could have thought of this thing and mm-hmm. run it. But also just think in terms of like, she's a loan shark. So there must be like insane interest going on. Like mm-hmm. with every added prisoner, he's paying more and he's paying month on month. Just in terms of EMI, this is an impossible <laughs> multiplication. You would, Like no company is going to be able to survive this kind of, you know, cash leak. So yeah, I am just, okay, I'm going to shut up about money now. <laughs> Okay, I think that's uh, that's where we can leave uh, Taxi Driver. Oh, what's next? Uh, next is law school. I think I'm the only one who's watching this, right? At this point, I'm sorry. Yeah. Our condolences. Yeah, I'm not going to spend much time on it. It's a very how to get away with murder type show. I mean, even like the Korean news coverage was like, this is basically how to get get away with murder. And the director was like, no, 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 it's different because and he mentioned this like one tiny detail. And I'm like, dude, it's it's just a rip off of how to get away with murder. But it's unsanctioned. So you have to say that. Um, it's very much the same type of thing. But you have in the Viola Davis characters um, place, you have uh, Kim Myung-min, who plays uh, this law professor called Yang Kritis, who's like really tough on his students. And he's Which is a nickname, cool by the way. And... It's not It's not an actual name. <laughs> no, no, no. His name is Yang Jong-un. But everybody calls him Yang Kritis because he uses a Socratic method in a really aggressive way in his classroom. And he's one of those like extremely tough teachers. But he's like, you know, he's also like very just and fair. And he wants his students to succeed and so he's like one of those like lovable but strict teachers i've written a lot about this on in my like recaps so over on drama and so like you can check those out i'll link them but basically it's like the especially in the earlier episodes the tone is kind of all over the place because you have this like murder case that everything is revolving around but then you also have the campus drama and it seems a little confused whether it wants to be a legal drama or a campus drama (laughs) i was enjoying the campus stuff a lot more like there's a cute sort of love line between Kim Bum and um, Ryu Heyang, I think is the actress's name, the older sister from Reply 1988. And so that is really cute, but it doesn't get much airtime. But like now, halfway through the show, I I feel like it kind of, like around 7, 8. It's turned into a rom-com, right? I I just heard that and I kind of want to go back. (laughs) It hasn't turned into a rom-com, but it's settled in its tone where like the legal stuff and the school stuff really fits together a lot better now. And it's still not a perfect show, but I'm enjoying it. Like, it's fine. It's not it's not going to go on my top 10 of the year. But, you know, like all the actors are doing a really good job. And the thing that I just realized last night, because I was listening to a review of um, this American mystery TV show called Mayor of Easttown. And they were talking about how it was like a mystery set in a small town. And I was like, oh, this is what law school is. It's the mystery set in a small town, like Miss Marple style, where like everybody knows each other. But the town is the school. Yeah, it's academic. It's this little academic bubble that they have in their school, right? Like everybody knows yeah. each other. They all have history. They all have drama. And then oh. like when somebody gets murdered, then like all of a sudden it's like Everyone's that tension of yeah, it's that tension that you get in a small town where the detectives going around and questioning murder suspects, but at the same time, like they've been school you know mates for like 20 years so they have all that history so it's not just like a detective that you don't know who's showing up and being like did you murder this person but there's also this like yeah i don't know, like incestuous kind of like claustrophobic like i know your whole family i know your history like all this kind of stuff so that's interesting that's not something that didn't click for me until just last night so that's an interesting way of looking at it but i like that i like the characters and the relationships the most the plot is eh but you know, <laughs> the characters and the relationships I'm enjoying. So I'm, you know, it's like a, it's like a pleasant, decent watch. The the characters is kind of what attracted me to the drama to begin with, and I kind of wanted to watch Kim Young Min a bit more because I really liked him in the first few episodes that I, I think I watched till episode five, and I liked him a lot. 
He's good. He's always he's great in his character. Yeah. The only thing that pissed me off was uh, Lee Jung Hyun in the initial, I think, first episode or so. She. T- <laughs> It was the most ridiculous thing ever. Like where each teacher that they start taking a class and then immediately something super dramatic happens. Like no class can happen without drama. It's very mucked up. It's very (laughs) much like there's a lot of stuff that happen. You're just like, what is going? That's what I'm saying. It's like very how to get away with murder. Like this, the scandals happening all over the place, and there's like (laughs) plagiarism scandals and like cheating scandals and people have secretly you know the the daughter of the dean whatever like all kinds of stuff going on like that which is why like it's not a serious legal drama is what i'm saying but it's like soapy it's like you can't don't need to take it seriously there's like lots of courtroom uh you know confrontations and the the antagonists are like super evil and extremely hateful and you like want to throw things at them it's like that kind of satisfaction it's not realistic or nuanced or you know but it is i mean i have found it moving in some oh and the other last thing i will say is there's a convicted pedophile that takes up way too much of the story time like he's not just it's not just like a case of the week and then it moves on he's part of one of the initial motivations for all of this getting started like his case and then like he continuously shows up and he has lines and he's like often menacing the little girl that is the younger sister of the main character it's really gross and icky i don't want to see it i don't like it yeah so that that's what i was going to complain about with Lee jung yun's introduction she is She's clearly that that friendly, charismatic teacher, and she has got this eidetic memory or something. She can remember every student's name and profile. And then in that class where she's just started impressing her students, she's pregnant. So this pedophile guy whose case she was involved in, and he just got out of jail, he walks into her class, uh, sets her off into a panic attack, and she faints and and uh, like her water breaks. And it's just like... What? Why? Why? This you were you just gave Kim Young Min such an amazing intro. Just it's the first episode. You're introducing this character. Let Lee Jung Yoon be a badass for God's sake. I was just pissed. So uh, yeah, I mean, I do like her character a lot, and really like the friendship between her and Kim Young Min. But I do feel like she doesn't get enough to do, and she's really like Lee Jung Yoon is an amazing actress, mm. and she just gets so little to do in this, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite character, other than um, Young Kutis, is probably... No, Kim Bum is fine, but it's um, Seoul. A. Oh, poor Miss Little Hopeful Face when she said that. <laughs> I feel sad for oh. He doesn't have a lot to do. He's just smart and cool and everyone thinks he's a genius. And he's just like quietly like observes everyone and helps them out like he's kind of like a like a guardian angel above for everybody in the in the whole thing and he also has like this sad storyline with the person who gets murdered but the star of the show is really um Bu Young, i think is her name who plays soul a who's just like i think her character if her character did, wasn't as good as it is i think the whole show would just like completely fall apart but because she plays this sort of morally grounded person who is really passionate about the law and you could tell that she would be an amazing lawyer because she makes these incredible arguments and she's always the one who kind of like cracks the code on all the cases but she's not academically gifted so she's really struggling to pass her classes so the it's kind of setting up this thing of like what if you're not the ideal candidate for law school, but you would be an amazing lawyer. But the system isn't set up to help you succeed. And so the people who end up getting through it are just people who are good at studying and also who are wealthy enough to be able to get into, you know, a top law school. So I wanted to explore that more. It hasn't quite, but I wish that it would. That's my gripe with the education system (laughs) forever. Like people with amazing memory tend to run through school. Yeah. 
or people who test well. Yeah, and and are are said that hey, you're gonna do amazing things in life, but all they have actually really shown is a gift for great recall. And I'm yeah. like, what about other processes? Well, like you yeah. know, exam taking is a skill. Interviewing is a skill, and those are the skills you need to get the job. So. It's a skill and also like it's not a skill that everyone has like some people are just born with it and they're good at it and some people are not and that doesn't make yeah, it any less smart. Yeah, that's kind of smart. my point. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're not capable of doing the job that they're going for. Yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm just going to digress for a second there because it's it's more than just taking exams and interviews being a, a skill. I remember from my own school that the students who tested better in like lower classes, you know, like grade school, middle school, high school, they tended to get more attention from the teachers. They they were practically pulled into mm. different groups where they studied separately. They were given more resources. Mm-hmm. Their parents tended to spend more money in making sure that they were prepared for these interviews going forward. So mm. it's not just that everything is skill. It's just that because you had a head start and you are naturally gifted at you know focusing and recall, everybody around you comes together to make sure that you are absolutely polished when you go out and start presenting yourself to the mm. world, which is a level of advantage does that just increases with every year as you grow up yeah and here in the u.s the only predictor for like doing well on uh the sat and getting into college is economic status literally the only predictor like nothing else is a yeah yeah. So it's not a meritocracy at all, <laughs> but it's presented that way. And that's what like, kills people's that is, souls. So. But yeah, also, exactly. to sort of add to Boromir's point that it starts much earlier than that, like there are all of these studies that show that the attention that you receive at the earliest uh, years of education, like, you know, preschool, kindergarten, all of that, that kind of, you know, th- um, even like in childcare, the children who are considered more like pretty cute, attractive, they receive more attention from the caregivers and therefore they receive more resources and support. So it starts Mm. that early and it just keeps on going. That's true. So I find that really interesting as well. Yeah. And to kind of wrap up, sorry, I knew I I said I was like not going to talk about this for very long, (laughs) but just to kind of wrap up that all of that, what we just said, there's a conversation that Sol has with Juni in the latest episode, which is 11, where she has you know, like mild spoilers, but it's not that big of a deal. She has like just scraped by on her like final, you know, semester marks by like basically killing herself studying. Like she's exhausted. She has to like stab herself in the, on her hand with a pen to keep herself awake. Like it's pretty gruesome <laughs> study. And like she's just barely scraped by. So she's not going to have to repeat the year. And she's like really depressed because she's like, I was so happy. I was so proud of myself. And then she's like, but you people who are at the top are probably just laughing at me and mocking me because like, I'm just here to make you look good, basically. Like, I so like, what's so great about being at the bottom? I just escaped being kicked out, but like, I'm still at the bottom. And that's after like putting everything I have into studying, you know, and like the people who are around her are just, it's so easy for them. Like he doesn't really put much effort into studying. He just like knows everything already. And then there's another student who gets A pluses all the time. Well, because he's cheating, but nobody knows that. Like she doesn't know that yet. (laughs) But you know, like, so she compares herself to them and she's like, what is even the point? Like, I'm so pathetic compared to you. And he doesn't know that he's like staring at her with like puppy eyes of love (laughs) this whole time because she's oblivious. Um, And he's just like worried about her. But she's like, you must be laughing at me on the inside. You're probably just like holding yourself back from laughing. I'm like, oh, girl. Um, (laughs) But that's what it is, right? Like she feels so bad about herself 
because of all of that. Like, because all of that is true, that it's not a meritocracy and it's an inequality of opportunity, but it's presented to you as if you work hard, you will succeed. Mm. And if you don't succeed, it's because you didn't work hard enough. Mm. So I really like that they touched on that. That was like one of my favorite scenes in the drama. Okay, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) Now you guys. So the next one is Navalera, which I have just started watching. I swear you said this like two months ago when we were when, when we attempted <laughs> we attempted to record the second yak that we were gonna do before Ramadan because you'd done the one with Anissa because we realized yeah. that month that I had watched shows and you guys had watched shows and there was no overlap. So and then Borma and I attempted to do uh, because timetables were a li- little bit difficult then. So we had scheduled our recording separately and then. Um, there was this whole thing about me waking up an hour after the recording was supposed to begin. <laughs> My most embarrassing moment ever. Um, <laughs> but anyway, once we we sort of got to the recording table, we realised that basically only I had watched the shows on my list and though you had claimed to watch them you're like yeah I started them like five minutes of them <laughs> and here we are again uh, two months later it's true <laughs> I'm still in the first episode okay, okay so to be fair though I had started Navalera a couple of months back and immediately realized that I, I was I could not watch this right now heartwarming and sweet and everything but clearly stuff that's going to make me cry mm, a little heartbreaking yeah and yeah, and then I started again when I was sick. When I was, and then I found Taxi Driver, and I watched Taxi. And that Driver. fulfilled your quota of sadness needed, right? <laughs> with with punches and like, you know, violence. Yeah, violence. it was not a pirouette that you needed. <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, and okay, and for the third time this week, I started watching that. <laughs> was that out I of pity watched... for me? <laughs> I swear, no, sometimes okay. I'm like, Borum is just pity watching for me right now. Never. I've been wanting to watch this. Okay, it's definitely up on my list. But by the time I get to properly watch it, everybody would have forgotten. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. I'm still... uh, Every Ramadan rolls around. Whatever dramas I'm watching get paused. And, you know, I'm still in the middle of Black Dog and Diary of a Prosecutor. And, you know, and... At some point... I thought you finished Black Dog. (laughs) No, I didn't. I paused it because it was Ramadan. And I need to go back to it. There's so many dramas I'm in the middle of. (sighs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Now I no longer feel that bad about not having finished or, you know, made any headway. You see, this is is why I decided now that I'm going to finish the dramas I was in the middle of before Ramadan started, before I start anything new. So this... Uh, this yak is basically more reflective of like this uh, early spring 2021 than it is of what's actually airing right now. <laughs> so Navalera, sure. I'm, I'm actually nine episodes in, though it has completed airing. It completed airing quite a while back. Uh, what did you, how did you feel about the part that you watched? I, so... Because you've watched a bunch of Songkang the- dramas before, right? So you know him well. I, I have, and I'm really impressed by him. So I watched, I watched half of Sweet Home. Um, which is a drama that I'm I'm doing two episodes at a time for some reason. <laughs> 
and he's great in that. Uh, he was not great in Love Alarm, and he continued to not be great in Love Alarm in season two. Oh, so I, I didn't actually have uh, huge expectations. I kind of thought he was just going to be kind of like a supporting role to Park In Hwan, who's the who's the older gentleman here. Harabaji. Harabaji, yeah, <laughs> and he kind of is, but I think like later on he becomes like they have proper partnership in the drama. Yeah, hi, hi. Sorry, that's my puppy. <laughs> but I really liked him here. He seems to have learned how to act in in the last couple of years. Oh, I, I really liked him in Sweet Home, but in Sweet Home, it's so much more about the creepy and the freaky stuff. It's it's a reacting less about rather than the, acting. Yeah, exactly. Whereas there is, he's doing emotions like a range of it and not just looking pretty I, I'm, I'm I'm very impressed well, that really surprises me because like this is my first Sungang and I'm like he's good I really like him and now I understand yeah. why if, if this had been my first Sungang I would have been like I would have been oh. like you know properly into him even though he's a butcher <laughs> but yeah <laughs> how old is he? I don't know, 15. He's oh, he's 27. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. He's not 15. <laughs> so I said that as a joke. Girl. I know he's not. <laughs> but he's so like, he's so little. Look at his face. Look, uh, he can't be 27, okay? 27? like 20 or something. Like 23, <laughs> okay, maybe? I have to look this up. <laughs> no, no, I looked it up. He's 27. Oh, he is? Wow, he has a complete baby face. Oh, he is 27. Oh, he's not that small. He, but he does have a total yeah. baby face. Yeah. Okay, so basically the story goes that Paginwan plays this Haraboji, his name is Shimdukchul, and he is like 70 years old and he's at this point in life where he's saying goodbye to friends and he has lost a friend quite recently and it makes him sort of rethink his life. And the opening episodes like sort of situate you in his life like you know his family he's got three kids three grown-up children he lives with his wife uh, and she's like the matriarch of the household that's um, she's played by Namuni who's always wonderful and so there's this sense of you know there's that deep sense of family of of just sort of life chugging along as it should but then you've got him in the middle of that feeling kind of lost in his own life and it does this really like like poignant exploration of how he sort of looks back on the the sort of the moments of lost opportunity in his youth where for whatever reason he couldn't do he couldn't follow his heart to do the thing that he wanted to do which in his case was ballet and so yeah. then he he comes upon Songgang who oh, what's the character name again uh, Ichiruk who is a ballerino and he just he finds him one day practicing in this studio which is wonderfully backlit with these beams of sunlight and it's all very gorgeous and like it uh revives something in him and he decides I'm gonna go for it I'm, I'm gonna do this now I'm going to sort of grab onto this thing so that I don't regret what I've done with my life and like he's got this personality which is very peaceable very um empathetic and he's the kind who sort of instantly understands people's feelings and how to quietly and easily get along with them and not impose on them and he's this natural peacemaker especially in his family full of sort of rowdy personalities who all <laughs> want to have things their way and so he's the one who's sort of like the the what do you call the lubricant between all of the sort of the rough edges of everyone else and so you get the sense 
sense that he's a person who spent his life not doing what he wanted. And then, like, he wants something. And the way they introduce this uh, moment of him wanting something and then trying to to get, not, it's not the approval that he's trying to get, but like, you know, if you do something, there are, everyone's going to have an opinion on it, right? And nobody is... Pretty much everyone opposes him from the start. And that includes yeah. uh, Cherok and it includes, like, Kim Tehun plays a great um, character in this drama as well. He is Icherok's uh, teacher and he's like this, uh, a genius ballerino who was forced to retire early due to injury. And so there's this, the whole sense, of, uh, like, Cherok is also kind of. Um, not not a genius one, but maybe an instinctive, like he has an instinct for ballet. And so that's another sort of underrunning thread in all of this is that they each recognize, the three of them recognize in each other this sort of instinct and love for the art that you can't teach, you know? And that's sort of what makes them put their faith in him eventually when he convinces them to give him a chance. And then like he has to convince his family to to get on board with it as well. I mean, he doesn't have to, but like the family have to allow themselves to let him do that, like emotionally. Like he doesn't need the permission. He doesn't ask the permission. But there are some really difficult moments, like especially when he's trying to get his wife to not oppose him and so that's the first like four to five episodes and then um yeah and then the story develops a bit more and I don't want to spoil it but it gets quite oh it gets quite painful <laughs> but it's also really yeah parts of it have already been spoiled for me because internet <laughs> oh yeah I've seen those spoilers too and it's making me not want to watch it honestly because I don't want the world of pain <laughs> I have to say, that was the point that I stopped at before Ramadan started and thinking of that because, you know, like me and angst, the the moment I feel like I can see the pain coming, I'll be like, okay, bye. (laughs) Not like this in real life, by the way. (laughs) Um, But then I kind of forced myself to go back to it because I don't want to grow the mountain of unfinished dramas. And because it is, it's still a really beautiful drama. Like so much about it is really (sighs) cleansing. So I'd probably end up like, I don't know when, but whenever I do, this is one of those dramas that I know I'll eventually watch. (laughs) I just don't know when. And the maybe I have matured, guys, but (laughs) now I I can actually take pain in dramas more than I could a couple of years back. I've gone the other way. (laughs) (laughs) You could could take like proper uh, knockout punches before though. So it's maybe we are coming into a happy medium (laughs) at this point. (laughs) I have recently gone back to watching some older dramas and the drawn out angst there where, you know, it's one of it's Mm. it's those angst where a proper conversation was said everything right. And then you have dramas like this where the angst is just built properly, like there's a foundation and you know that the resolution is going to be satisfying. I would so much rather watch a Navillera like every day of the week mm. compared to You know, it's interesting what you say about old dramas because I have tried to go back to some pretty old dramas, especially like some really um lauded revenge mellows and stuff because, you know, I have been known to enjoy revenge mellows. But man, they are like, the angst level is like drowning. It's so much. And you're just like, wow, TV was really different like t- 10 to 15 years ago. <laughs> and I'm not sure that I where, like we can in or I can enjoy that now the way I might have like early in my K-drama career. And oh yeah. Oh gosh, I watched this one uh with uh is it Pakesu? No, it's not Pakesu. It is 
Kim Hesu. From Signal? Yes, that, that is, is Kim, Kim Hesu. Okay, so there's this drama yeah. that she did. Hold on, I'm looking up the name. Because there were two that I watched at the same time. While you look up the name, I'll just, I'll just make a small point. The only way I know Park and Hwan is from trying to watch a bit of Brilliant Heritage last year. And... I really liked him there. I had never watched anything. Brilliant Legacy? Br- was that Brilliant Legacy or Brilliant Heritage? Shining Inheritance, maybe? Oh, could be. See, he. this is an older person who owns a noodle shop and he marries a much younger woman, kind of out of revenge on his children. Okay, so not like Brilliant a, Legacy okay. then. Not, this is not, something else. No, so it was Brilliant Heritage or something. And oh. it released last year. It was like some really long-running Wasn't that a weekend? yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a weekender. So that's how I know him. But you're right. The t- the titles are very similar. Brilliant Heritage. <laughs> Brilliant Heritage. Oh, wow. I had no- I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought you were talking about Brilliant Legacy. No, which is- I-, I-, I haven't watched Brilliant Legacy. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Everyone should watch it. <laughs> Just my, I- sorry, obligatory <laughs> plug. <laughs> okay, so I found the name of the drama that I was trying to remember. It's called Home Sweet Home. It's from 2010. And it's um very... Like total machang high school rivals, um, two women who are like it's one of the women has an affair with the other one and they the other woman's husband, and there's police and investigations and murder <laughs> and death. It's just so so mad. I don't I don't know <laughs> if it's also like I don't know if it's necessarily about age. I think also it's like where you are in your life and. I feel like in different situations, we might have more of an up- appetite for... And I think there's a difference between, like, sadness versus mukjang. And, like, what you're describing, um, Saya, sounds a little bit more like mukjang, where, like, everything is turned up to, like, 150 in terms of intensity. Whereas, like, Navalera and, like, dramas like it tend to strike me as, like, being a- full of a lot of sadness, but not being, like, mm. overwrought and, like, uh, aggressive with that melodrama. That's kind of what I mean, though. As in... Instead of yeah. s- sort of going for the ma- uh, Makchang Marinade, it's you. You have so many more dramas these days that choose to to tell an emotional story in a like not low key way, more subtlety. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the word. So yeah, like they go for that that subtlety rather than for you know everything and the kitchen sink. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. we can appreciate that I, more. I just want to insert here. That it wasn't just like the full out Mark Jung in the past decade that were this bad. I mean, if you remember that Song Hye Kyo drama, something about the wind blowing. Uh, that went to the wind blowing. Yeah, blows. with Jo Sung. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> I mean, the angst in that was just like, it, it went from one unbelievably painful thing to another. And it was just so... <laughs> that was also, I saw the movie that that drama was based on and the movie was... What? <laughs> I mean, it should have just been a movie no oh, it was okay. fine as a movie okay. like in a movie it worked like it was a very intense movie mm. but like it worked as a movie um it actually stars kim Jiyak, rest his oh. soul um and uh moon good young i think that's her name um but anyway it was it was a good movie i enjoyed it but then when it was a drama i was like this why are we watching this for 16 hours <laughs> but um my second point, and this is my last point, was just that like I personally don't necessarily have a trouble with sadness, but there are particular types of painful storylines that I have trouble with just because like of personal things that I've experienced. So for me, like I don't want to watch something about illness 
or hospitals because like I have trauma, you mm. know, related to that. But mm. then I can watch something that has like a really sad story about like murder or I don't know, like it, if it's not something that I've personally witnessed. And then that's like that's different from it for everyone. Right. If you've mm. experienced having one of your family members murdered, you're not going to find it relaxing to watch. Uh, well, but maybe it's cathartic. I don't know. You know, like sometimes it's your mood. Like there are times when you want to watch something that's directly related to the kind of difficulties that you faced in your own life because it's a way to process it and there's other times where you don't mm. even want to think about that mm. so yeah 100 percent. i don't that really know sense. what i'm saying except no, that I'm, it's all relative no, no, completely agreed. Get you. Agreed. agreed okay we we should now start yes. wrapping this up but before we do <laughs> saya and i because we thought it needed its own episode just uh finished recording a spoiled yak for sisyphus finally and it should be up soon uh, it'll be up before this one i think do you and think so listen to it that. might not be <laughs> oh okay it might not in which case it will come out soon anyway the point is it has been recorded <laughs> <laughs> and it will be released now yes. it's an editing purgatory yes exactly <laughs> Okay. So I don't have a joke from my niece and nephew to, right Aww. now, but I do have a joke um, from the internet. So <laughs> if you want to hear it, <laughs> I'm ready to ask it. A riddle, I mean. <laughs> okay. I can travel at nearly 100 miles per hour, but never leave the room. You can cover me up, but that doesn't slow me down. You will not know if I come only once or again and again and again. What am I? I'm just thinking of the fan, but it doesn't go anywhere. So, um... Well, it's Wait, probably not something like the speed of sound, right? And yeah, that that doesn't probably work. It's not a rumor. So mm. <laughs> can you say it again? Sure. I can travel at nearly 100 miles per hour. That's like 200 some kilometers, but never leave the room. You can cover me up, but that doesn't slow me down. You will not know if I come only once or again oh. and again and again. What am I? A sneeze. Yes, I thought it was very appropriate for allergy season yes. since I'm just like sneezing day and Same. night these days. So, yeah, good job. I, nice. I don't know how I got that, but like, yes, sneeze. <laughs> I'm a master sneezer. I was going to start it by saying this is appropriate for the season, but then I was like, no, you're giving it away. So then I did it. Good job. Okay, so okay. that's it. I feel very clever. You are very clever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now watch me mess up the next bit <laughs> so if you would like to follow us on social media you can find us on twitter at dramas overflow and you can follow us individually you can find me at not now Sire. and you can find me at anisa khalifa underscore and you can find me borba at festa faster and you can find us on instagram at dramas over flowers underscore and you can email us please email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. We are on Facebook. Just look us up, Dramas Over Flowers. And we have a website where you should go and read Saya's amazing new post on OSTs and how they just set the mood of the story. You have to go to dramasoverflowers.net for that. And finally, Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Saya. This is Anissa. <laughs> and I have a person at the door. <laughs> and that was Duke. <laughs> 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 
Is this staying That should be in? a blooper. That needs to be in the bloopers. <laughs> we tried. It was going so well for all of three seconds. Take two. <laughs> <laughs>